You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Hey, we're going to get to your podcast, but Episode. not yet. Yep. Not yet, because we have a special announcement uh, for October 2018. We're having our first ever national gathering for Gravity Leadership at the end of October, October 26th through 27th, happening in Indianapolis. There's a limited number of tickets. Yep. We can only fit so many people in that room, Ben. Yep. Uh, so, Hardman, Ben Hardman, will you give us an idea of uh, cast some vision about why we would want to come to this event yeah so we our hope is that it becomes much more of a collaborative event than a delivery event uh one of the things that we hear often from leaders that we coach and spend time with is uh you guys feel like family i feel like we connect i feel like i'm not crazy when i'm around you i feel like we speak <laughs> yes. the same language yes. uh and and it feels like family when we're together and so we would kind of wanted to create a family reunion uh, a pilgrimage of sorts an opportunity for some like-minded leaders to get in a room and collaborate and talk and so this year's topic is uh, what is this year's topic? Life Wait, how, on mission. <laughs> <laughs> how do we articulate it? It's life on mission in a busy world, and so uh, we want to we, we want to convene some conversations around um, some of the unhelpful work that trying to convince people to live on mission does. Um, some of the work that we uh, have begun to experience in terms of like developing practices uh, rather than values for our church. Um, and, and how all that kind of fits together into living kind of one integrated life. Yes, and if mission isn't, isn't service projects right. and, and like drop-in evangelistic uh, bla- blast your neighbors, like how do, we, how do we cultivate a sustained, authentic uh, presence for Christ in our churches, in our neighborhoods, in our world? Well, we're going to have those conversations. We're going to ask questions. Mm-hmm. We're going to, uh, there may be some laughs. Maybe some tears. Maybe some I hope tears. So. Yeah. Uh, be- not tears. I hope for laughs. Okay. I mean tears. I'm hoping for too. tears though. We'll let other people cry. <laughs> I'll tell some I'll tell some really sad stories. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and really I'll tell, sad stories. I'll tell some bad jokes and make you cry. Yeah. And then we're gonna have like a, lots of relational time yep. hanging out in the backyard. So yep. friends you fire can fire pits. Yes, fire pits. Uh, and again, it's gonna be, you know, very few people. So yeah. how do I sign up for this, Ben? Yeah, if you guys head to gravityleadership.com slash gathering all the information is there you can register there's group discounts so we encourage you to like bring friends bring a team from your church uh bring some staff members bring your uh, other pastors that you know your neighbor's your kids bring, bring your, your neighbor's, neighbor's kids. kids well maybe leave them maybe leave them but yeah there's we're excited about it there's going to be lots of q and a there's going to be lots of discussion lots of talking over meals lots of time to reflect and kind of workshop implications for your own life and ministry lots of time to talk informally develop new friendships it's going to be awesome gravityleadership.com slash 
slash gathering October 26th and 27th. Hope you guys can make it. See you there. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Gravity Leadership is a community of people seeking to live our lives in the orienting center of God's love in the midst of our post-Christian world, learning to lead like Jesus, live on mission, and make disciples. In nature, gravity is the phenomenon that brings stuff together, objects as small as atoms and quarks and as large as stars and galaxies. We believe the gravity of the Christian life is the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. The Gravity Leadership Podcast is curated conversations on what it looks like to practically orient our lives and our leadership in the love of Christ, the gravity that holds everything together. You ready to roll? We're going we're gonna to start Are rolling. you ready to roll? I am. Derek, you good to go? I'm ready. <laughs> He's right. ready. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, cats and dogs, it's time for another Gravity Leadership Podcast. I wonder if any pets listen to this. I was watching this video on Facebook, because that's mm-hmm. what I go to Facebook for, videos. Cat and dog uh, videos. I get all my news from my Facebook feed. It's perfect. <laughs> no, I was watching this, this video of these pets that are mm-hmm. like watching television. Oh, yeah. I've seen this. Like they're like doing something with their masters, and then uh-huh. all of a sudden they stop and sit down and like watch another dog on TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my first yes, thought was, I don't think they did that back when TVs were like 19 inches and had like 256 right. colors. Didn't look like a dog to them. It, it just l- was like light. Can you imagine, like, dogs are thinking, I can't believe these hominids sit and stare at these pixel colors. Yes. Right? But now it's so clear, I wonder if their eyes can pick it up. Yeah. My my dog is not interested in screens at all. No. Like, no screens at all. It just, like, even if, like, we're trying to, like, you know, if, like, I'm calling in from FaceTime and being like, hey, you know, the dog wants to say hi. Like, the dog is not looking at the screen. Could your dog talk to my children? Because my children could use some of that. Yes. Yeah, so. Being not interested in screens. <laughs> I'll, I'll have her, uh, yeah, I can talk to her. So if your dog listens, let us know. I'm guessing they don't. But you're listening because you're hearing this now. And uh, my name is Matt Tebby. I'm one of the co-founders of Gravity Leadership. I'm joined by... Ben Sternkey, another co-founder of Gravity Leadership. Yes. And a uh, <laughs> uh, good friend of mine, also co-pastors with me. I don't know if you knew that. Ben and I co-pastor locally in Indianapolis. And today on our podcast, we're joined by my good friend, our good friend, Derek Radney. Derek lives in North Carolina. He's a pastor he is a dad. He is a uh, part of the Bald is Beautiful Men's Club. <laughs> hey, Derek, will you uh, welcome to the podcast? By the way, will you Thank give us you. just an introduction to who you are and your context, kind of, and what and what you're doing there? Uh, like you said, I'm a pastor in Winston Salem, North Carolina, at uh, a Presbyterian church, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm just an ordinary guy, really, and. Uh, I listen to your podcast and know you from seminary up in Chicago. So yes, mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's me in a nutshell, I guess. Derek and I went to school together. I was told not to mention seminary again, so I'm glad you brought it up, Derek. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm trying to poke fun at myself, and I think it comes across maybe as being pretentious. Right. So I don't want to be so full of hubris that I wouldn't think that there's some pretension in that. But I'm, I'm trying to poke fun at myself. Right. Right, Derek. That's a pretty ridiculous degree. Master yes. of Divinity? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So Derek and I met 10 years ago <laughs> at uh, a seminary, and we've been friends and sort of sharpened each other th- and thought-wise. And uh, we're, we're, we're podcasting through men and women leading alongside each other in ministry. And we started out kind of telling our stories about how Ben and I uh, 
through relationships and experiences, came to see that we were part of the problem in mm. helping women lead in the church and how we kind of shifted some of our views on that. And then we kind of unpacked real quickly and briefly some theological moorings for that. Yeah. And Derek, you reached out and said, hey, uh, this is great. I love what you're doing. I see this a bit differently. I have a little different story. And because we we do equip and train a lot of women, so Gravity Leadership, actually almost half of the people in our coaching cohorts are women. And uh, they go, they range from uh, stay-at-home moms to lead pastors in churches. So this is something that's really important for our audience, but also there's a wide breadth of how people are intersecting with how women and men lead alongside each other in ministry mm-hmm. and different stories. And so we wanted to give space uh, for Derek to come on, chat with us about his story, his journey. And I thought today we could talk a bit about masculinity, three dudes talking about masculinity, mm-hmm. no danger of an echo chamber there. <laughs> and <laughs> and sort of uh, understand like wh- what is our responsibility as men to to lead in in ways that are let's just say less abusive, like more <laughs> empowering yeah. and Jesus-like. Yeah. So, uh, but Derek, why don't you tell us, kind of, I don't know, give us the flyover of your story, like raised what, how did you, how did you see men and women in ministry? And then like, where are you now and how has that shifted? Just to give us sort of a, a set the table for us. Sure. Well, I grew up in evangelical churches and uh, the churches I grew up in, um, did not affirm women's ordination. And so um, since I was young, I had a sense that men and women could do different things. And that was sort of commanded in scripture that it should be that way. Um, You know, and like most people going off to college, you start to rethink or be challenged in what you think you're exposed to other ideas. And so I, that was when I really started wrestling with why do I believe this? Is this right? And, you know, when I was in, seminary that was another i mean i remember you and i had conversations about that yeah um and so through my studies um i i didn't i haven't fundamentally changed those basic convictions so i'm still in a place where i don't believe women should be ordained to the pastorate um but as i've pressed into those questions and as i've i've listened to the larger conversation i think that's been going on in evangelicalism about this and then even more recently, as a lot of things like the Me Too movement have, have come about, mm-hmm. uh, I think I've been uh, really challenged uh, to uh, listen to the voices of, of women who are, who are kind of saying, look, this, uh, we haven't been listened to. There's a lot of ways we've been abused. There's uh, a lot of ways we are being devalued. And I think that's really brought a lot of changes in the way that I understand men and women need to relate and how men and women need to function in the church. Um, and one of the parts of my life that was really critical in this is when I was in a Southern Baptist church after seminary. And while on paper we had the same views, the way that that played out in that church about women and men was something I had not seen before. And, and it's that context that helped me understand what a lot of women uh, that I'm listening to have said you know, here's what I've experienced. And this is how this is very demeaning and degrading and how we weren't able to have a voice in these. And and I started seeing that a lot more in that context because Mm. it was an environment where it was just totally male dominated. Women were relegated to a very narrow set of things that they could do. And there were no women voices Mm. um, in, 
in critical conversations that went on as a church. And, uh, and then male-female friendships were viewed as very dangerous. There were very strong boundaries between men and women's relationships. And those were things I had not experienced in my upbringing. Okay. And uh, I've had just wonderful friendships with women in college and and since then that have been so life-giving and edifying and my wife also has been such an edifying relationship obviously that that's okay for most evangelicals but other <laughs> right. other relationships are viewed with a lot of suspicion and uh so a lot of the assumptions that often go with the sort of um male-only ordination view yeah um are not views that i've i've held but i see how i've still participated in some of the behaviors that have uh, excluded women and been uh, hmm. difficult for women. And I think in the end, problematic for me and for other men as well. Like it's not, it's not good for me. Yeah. So I don't know if that's uh, yeah, answering your that's question. Great. That's great, Derek. So that's one of the themes that keeps coming up is that however you define sort of this, um, you know, we've used fl- phrases like patriarchy or toxic masculine uh, masculinity, however you name it. And I think you, if you name it any way, you kind of, have to um, qualify it and qualify it and qualify it until it's almost, you have to nuance it to death until you lose the punch of it. So we're not going to nuance, we're going to speak in some caricatures for sake of clarity and we don't want the podcast to be three hours. But however (laughs) you name like toxic masculinity, um, that's a theme that's come up here. And one of the things that Mm -hmm. uh, surprised me to realize uh, was that it's as bad for guys as it is for yeah. people who aren't sort of white dudes at the top. Like, it's yeah. it's as bad for me as it is for, quote, them. Uh, and I think I'm just discovering, like, I feel like I'm learning that as I go, because mm-hmm. it's so close to me, I can't really uh, evaluate it. Yeah. I don't know if you can... Yeah, no, and I think there, there's a... Every time, I, every time I say that, too, like, I think there is a danger of... Like you can almost in- inadvertently devalue the voices of women, right? Or people. Oh, you of color. think you have it bad, right? Right. This has been you bad for me too. You don't know what it's too, like to right? be a white dude. This hurts me more than it hurts you. Yes. Right. So, so there's a danger in that, but I, but um, I think you know, as long as we can sort of uh, continue to listen and say, okay, it's been bad for you in a in a very different and very much more immediate uh, and a, and sort of abusive way, but it it is a system that is inherently dehumanizing for everyone. Even those at the top, even though they're not suffering in the same way, there's a slower kind of like emptying of yeah. your humanity if, if there's a system where somebody's on top, somebody's like on the bottom. Yeah, and I want to get your take on this, Derek, because here's what I don't want to see happen. Um, I think it's important to name and own how it's bad for like Derek and Matt and Ben at the top, because if we don't do that, then we just flip... We take the people on the bottom, put them on the top in the same system, and we flip the unjust system. So mm-hmm. now it's it's the same it's the same kind of toxic leadership, authoritarian leadership. Yeah. But instead of being toxic masculinity, now it's toxic whatever femininity or toxic. So there's like this binary, this polarity, this antagonism of of having like domineering, dominating course of power. Yes. And I want to see that entire thing yes go away and right. have a have a new injection mm-hmm. of what authority looks like. Yeah, uh, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on that, Derek? Like, I know that you, we've talked in the past about how um, this we can't frame this issue primarily in terms of like uh, rights or or things like that. Right? This isn't this isn't primarily about uh, <laughs> everybody's commu- uh, created with an inalienable rights. 
right? Right. 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 Kind so, of borrowing language from the you know the the Western liberal kind of world, right? Uh, the the yeah. cultural language. Yeah. yeah so, world, so yeah. So what are your thoughts? I mean, do you have thoughts on that? Yeah, and I think you you've helped me press further into this as I've listened to you guys. Um, we we talked a little bit about Willow Creek and. Um, that as we dialogued about what happened there, um, it helped me think through more about what you're saying about power and, and authority. And I think, um, so authority often gets cast as like just one thing. All authority is the same. Mm-hmm. And so when we think of authority as who gets to, who has the power to command, yes, yes. then, then it's like, well, you're, what you're describing can happen. We just end up flipping who gets to command and then it's another oppressive system, right? Yeah. Right. Uh, or it's participating in this domination. And I think um, I understand authority uh, to, to be, um, th- there are varieties of, of authority hmm. and there's all sorts of authority that everybody exercises. And there's a certain type of authority that elders wield in the church. And there's a certain authority that deacons have, and there's authority that every person has over their own body. And, so we can talk about authority in a lot of different ways, but when it gets reduced to power, we get into a lot of problems. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think you and I, even though we might have some different views on ordination, I think we are very similar on how we think about um, mutuality needing to be a big part of the way authority is exercised yeah. um, and submission uh, mm-hmm. rather than lording over people. And I get to boss you around. It's more about empowering people. Yes. Um, I don't want to rule out that there's an aspect of some types of authority that involves command, but that is not the totality of authority. Yeah. And when we, when we make that all, when that, all, when that's what authority is, we get into problems. So that's, yeah. I don't know if that's answering your, your question. Totally, man. Yeah. And that helps me a lot. I think we, we tend to reduce words like power and authority to who's in charge, who calls the shots. Who right. gets to tell other people what to do, just <laughs> whether or not they want to. You know? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's coercive. Right. Yeah. 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 So coercive authority then becomes leadership and power. And the more um, the more effective you are at coercing people in a non-jerk face way, the more honor you get in the church. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So this is what I meant when we talked about Willow Creek, because Willow Creek from the outside looking in, they ordained women. Bill Hybels was a huge advocate of women in ministry. But the system inside Willow Creek... Uh, this is my hy- this is my hypothesis. Okay, it, yeah. it, it's still based upon this hierarchy of power, where power right. the essence of power is someone's in charge and in control. That's right. Yeah. You yeah. know, yeah, yeah. And if you don't, f- if there's not a, there's like there's there's a spectrum of like niceness, but it's the same. It's a spectrum along the same sort of system, right? It's it's rooted yeah. in the same place, which is how do I get you to do th- something? That I want you to do that you may not want to do, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's it's un, it's not until you abandon that question that you even begin to conceive of what leadership could look like outside yeah. of that framework. Yeah. Right. It's like okay, maybe leadership isn't trying to get people to do things that they may or may not want to do. Maybe it's something completely different. Yeah. Man, this is a, we we have to like excavate an architect and imagination for that. I don't think yeah. it exists right in our world. Um, You mentioned, Derek, you're learning to notice and name some things that you either practiced or thought or did that were unhelpful. Could you, uh, it would benefit me a great deal if you would share a few of those things for us, uh, because I'd love to learn from you. Yeah, well, I mean, along these same lines, when authority is viewed as I'm in charge and I have the power to kind of boss people around, 
um, that creates a certain type of presence that you have with people when you're, you know, in a group setting. And I think I've, I've learned that for a lot of my life, the way I've led those groups um, settings has not been uh, making space for women voices. Um, and, I mean, you guys have t laughed and joked and not, not like it's funny, but you guys have named the reality of like interrupting women, right. um, explaining things that they're fully capable of explaining. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, the, I'm, I know I've participated in and done that to women. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then just as a church, ha you know, have I always sought to make sure that we are getting input from, from women on the things that we're trying to lead and do, or do we just charge forward without even, um, creating avenues or making sure there are avenues of conversation and submission to, uh, other perspectives and other insights. Yeah. Um, so that those are just a couple of, of areas where I see, I see I've failed. And, um, and a lot of, I think what I've been trying to do the last few years is, is how do I help facilitate more of that in our church? That's hmm. great, dude. Yeah, that's really good. That helps me a lot. I think as you're, as I'm hearing you, I think, okay, we either have this like monarchy kind of understanding of a church, right? So the senior, the head honcho, I, I was in a, I was in a church recently, Derek, and worship was going on. And uh, as worship's going on, the senior leader walks in in a suit and tie in the front row, shaking hands. Behind the senior pastor was his security detail, the security guard with an earpiece. And behind the security, uh, I'm sorry, yeah. And then in front of the security guard and behind the pastor was another person in a suit holding a tray with a cup on it. A cup, a cup of water. His cupbearer. Yeah. And he walked to the front row. The cupbearer set his tray down. Uh, the cupbearer then took his jacket off for him, put the jacket on the seat, and handed him his cup. And I was like, "Dude, yeah. <laughs> this is like King David stuff here." This yeah. is yeah. so like that's you know that's a, that's that doesn't happen in every church, <laughs> right? Yeah, Maybe we, we stop we stopped doing that uh, last after month, the, right? yeah, last, last <laughs> month after we after we thought, wait a second, this is ridiculous. This is, yeah. No, so there's that, but then there's like Derek. When people hear what you're saying, I think they're imagination because we live in a like a western democracy is oh okay so we have to like everybody gets a vote like everybody's has equal sort of voices like we just need to make sure everybody's heard and so it's either this dictatorship or mm -hmm. this democracy and i think the way the word we've kind of invented to talk about this and our friend dave fitch uses it too is a numocracy where the the spirit has the authority and as he gifts people in different roles and functions in the body is Ephesians four stuff, right? That their that their their job with the Spirit isn't to to do things or make people do stuff, but it's to equip the body, to mm -hmm. invest and empower the body. So uh, I think we need a new imagination, at least I do, on how it looks to not just create a democracy in my church where women have a place at the table, but how to invest and empower them to do the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ, like. Yeah. I, I don't know. Have you? I agree with that. I, I, I'm, we maybe talk about it a little bit differently. I, I personally like the image of the family for thinking about authority and leadership. Now, I say that some people have have experienced what you're talking about with the sort of monarchy in the family, so that right. may not be helpful for sure, them. Right. But yeah. in healthy families that I have seen, mothers and fathers have authority that sometimes involves command, but. It's so much more than that. In fact, the vast majority of what you're trying to do as a parent is to empower your children to be, um, you know, 
people that are like Jesus that are competent and have character. I mean, you guys use that language. Mm -hmm. And so you're saying, how do I help them take responsibility? How do I resource them? How do I help direct them? But also you're partly recognizing what they're capable of doing and what they're bringing to the life of the family. And you're letting that go and you're not trying to control it, you know? And so I think the church, that's how we envision leadership in the church as well is, uh, you have mothers and fathers, and they contribute to that in different ways, and some of those ways overlap. But mm-hmm. um, it's not about whether or not I get, you know, the head pastor gets his parking spot because he's at the top of the hierarchy, and so yeah. he gets the special privileges. I mean, that's that is not what authority is for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So neither neither does the like the authority to tell people tell the people what to do in both the dictatorship and the democracy. That's essentially still how authority is construed. Yeah. Either the, the, the king rules or the majority rules. Tyranny of yeah. the majority or yeah. tyranny of the minority. Right. And so, what, like, the imagination we're trying to cultivate here is, is an imagination where, no, how do, we, how do we humbly submit to and listen to the voice of the Spirit in our midst as it comes to us through the, through the gifts and the people that are here? Yeah. Like, what, what are they noticing? What are we seeing? And it's just, uh, it's, not, it, it's not often efficient, it's not an efficient way to sort of get things done. I think that's one of the barriers that we have mm. to like imagining a new way of leading. I love my efficiency. Well, don't we all? I, you know, yeah, yeah. like that's like a cult- we love, right? Yeah, that's yeah, a we cultural love cultural value that kind of lives in my bones. Right? How do I know I did right. a good job? Well, hey, I I only spent you know this much time on it, and we got this much done. We we think there that means it's good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, so mm. one of the th- one of the implications of this, Derek, that we're hearing. As we work through this, we're getting emails from people, and they're saying things like, hey, I'm a white dude. I've been a white dude my whole life. <laughs> I can't do anything about that. But uh, what I'm told is uh, I'm the problem. I'm told I'm the problem, and uh, and so there's this... Things would be better, like the, the internalization of this that we've heard from people is yeah. like, things would be better if you just disappeared and went away. <laughs> yeah. So people, yeah, they, they hear that, they internalize yeah. that. And so there, there's this question. I think it's a good question. I mean, it, we need to honor it. I think in order for help to help us yeah. all learn, yeah. is how do I understand? Like, how do I deal and reckon with the fact that maybe there's systems or structures or even practices in place where being a white dude isn't a privilege, but it actually is a hindrance to me, right? But also deal with the fact that like men already in the church feel. Uh, you know, you hear this a lot. Like they're they're quiet, they're neutered. Women come to church way more than men do. Men aren't really empowered, or you know, there's kind of this. Um, I don't know if silencing is the right word, but it's just like this. There's this pall pale of sort of uh, a lack of sort of healthy masculine energy, right? Mm. So h- how do you navigate? Like, yes, I need to. I need to listen. I probably should shut up. But also, I don't want to like hide being a man. Like, I don't want to be embarrassed or apologize for being a man. I don't yeah. know if you've thought about that or, or navigated that at all. Yeah, I, I think a lot of the ways that we think about masculinity are toxic, and a lot of the ways we live out our masculinity are toxic um, because it's in this power domination framework that yeah. to be a man is to be. Um, strong in the sense that I can't be, I won't be pushed around and I can push other people around and I do what I want and I assert myself and I get my way. It's a power. It's a view of power. Mm. Um, that's self-serving. 
Hmm. And I think masculine, this is where I think we go wrong. When we deny masculine strength and we say it's bad, which I do think a lot of the spirit of the age suggests that it's afraid of masculine power. Uh, The the word for that is zeitgeist. Okay. All right. Thank you. Uh, The the Germans, they call the spirit of the age of the zeitgeist. The Germans have the best words. They do have the best words. I feel like they just make stuff up. They're like, let's, let's jam eight words together and that's a new word yeah yeah anyway yeah that's sorry that has just helped me so much thank you <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I do think the zeitgeist is that <laughs> male power is dangerous yeah. and yeah. It, it often is dangerous yeah but when we when we try to get rid of masculine power that's when i think people respond the way you're describing yep. is they're, they're saying i feel like what you're telling me is being a man is a bad thing and i think what we need to try to help people do is reimagine what their strength and power is supposed to be used for hmm. and uh and so it takes a lot of strength to do what jesus did which is to serve other people unto death like that takes a lot of strength yeah right that takes assertiveness but it's it's directed toward laying their his life down for the redemption of the world right and yeah. to to love others and we need to give men uh, a sense of saying, look, you need to recognize you have power and privilege. Okay. That's part of the system. Hmm. How do you use that hmm. to empower and serve others rather than try to hold on to it and continue to, to make lay claim to the privileges that you might have um, in this, in this system. Dude, so that's so good. That's one way I, I would, I try yeah. to wrestle with it. That's yeah. so good. It really is good. Like, I think what I hear, when I hear you say that, Derek, Pretty I think clear. we don't, we don't, we don't, appreciate how strong love is mm. like we think that if 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 we need to get things done if we need some sort of elbow grease in the church like love is fine as long as we're singing a chris tomlin song yeah for sunday school you know, for the kids yeah for know. the kids but if we're going to get things done and make things happen we're going to need something other than kind of the others or like the agape sort of uh canonic love you just described mm. right laying down uh, my life for the sake of other people yeah. And I, I would, I mean, that gets me fired up. Mm-hmm. I got the Jesus tinglys right mm-hmm. now. Like, like having sort of this re-appropriation uh, of how fierce and tenacious yeah. an others-oriented sacrificial love can be, yeah. and how that's that's the strength we need yeah. as men. Right. Yeah. I was. It reminds me of. Uh, I was read read through this uh, little book from. Uh, uh, ben Myers on the Apostles' Creed. I don't know if you've read this mm, or not. But, I've heard uh, of it. It's great. It is fantastic. Just a great little book. But he talks about, you know, the, um, you know, I believe in God the Father uh, Almighty. Talks about that word Almighty. And his meditation on it was so helpful for me because he just said, he said this, you know, this word Almighty kind of, like you were saying, Derek, it, like it's conflated with this controlling, domineering power. And so a lot of times people don't want to say, oh, God, God Almighty, like I don't, you know, they have this image of God and this image of power thus that is basically all controlling. Basically, I just, I mean, I mean meticulously control everything. And he's just pointing out that like that is not true power. Like that's what insecure people do. That's what people mm-hmm. do who are worried that they can't, like that, they're, that they don't have power. That freedom and love won't work. Freedom and love won't work. <laughs> I, you know, like I, I've got to control this, and so um, yeah. So it was, yeah, it was even sort of. Uh, I mean, that's that's probably the reason we take these these images of power. We we just project them onto God, and we see the word mm-hmm. Almighty in the Bible, and we think, oh, I know what God's like now. Um, yeah. So I mean, I think masculine power is generative and life giving, which is what God Almighty yes. His power is. Right? Yes. Yes. And so. Uh, I, 
I think we need to think of ourselves in, in those terms. How do we exercise life-giving generative power, not mm-hmm. uh, controlling or uh, self-serving? Good. So mm-hmm. here's a, yeah. So here's a question then, and not uh, this could get us far afield and afoot. <laughs> but but uh, so the, so when we talk about things like masculinity, right? There's or femininity, right? There's this huge spectrum of conversation where masculine and feminine are cultural memes that are fully sort of, they're, they're just culturally bred. And so any sort of notions or scripts we have for masculinity or femininity are based upon cultural givens, right? Then there's this other end of the spectrum, and this might not be a fair spectrum, but I want to frame the conversation. Other end of the spectrum, that, that sort of masculine and feminine, there's a biblical masculine and feminine, it's prescribed in scripture, and we need to... Uh, we need to appropriate those norms, those principles in our culture today. And mm-hmm. I honestly, like, I feel like n- neither of those fit for me. Like, I, I don't know if I appreciate the hermeneutic of how to interpret scripture that way. Uh, and I also, I also feel like it's not, it's, everything isn't all cultural. So, like, I, have you thought about this, Derek, and yeah. how do you navigate that? Yeah, so I'm not an expert here, but I have tried to think deeply about this because I I have felt that in order to be comfortable with my position that I think men should be ordained to the pastorate, but not women, uh, I have to say, is this an arbitrary rule that God just gave us? You know, it's just some restriction for no reason, or is there something deeply embedded in what it means to be male and female that explains why, at least my reading is, that there's that restriction? And so I've tried to to delve into this and I totally agree with what you just said about there is a sort of reading of scripture that kind of flatly reads off the page. This is what masculine is and that's what feminine is. And then there's the other view, which is like, it's all culturally constructed. So, you know, it's all fluid and you go everywhere and there's no one thing that's masculine or feminine. Um, I, for me, the way I've, I've sort of settled, or at least I'm, I'm hovering around this idea that the key is that God made us male and female in his image. Um, and, that, that means that, I mean, I think you guys would agree with this. Our bodies matter, right? Like, um, these are not arbitrary aspects of who we are. Uh, and the fact that God made humanity as this binary of male and female is significant. And so I believe that men and women live in the world in distinct ways that are grounded in the fact that we have different bodies and that we're made to be gifts to one another and that we, um, we both have natural intuitions and strengths uh, that are to contribute to the mission God's given us. But we also both are to uh, bring out of the other things that are not natural to us. And so we, we benefit from the strengths of the other. It helps us become more well-rounded to live in friendship with one another. And then obviously there's the, the procreation aspect, but um, that's, that's sort of obvious. But, um, so uh, in all that, I think that masculinity and femininity will play out in, in sort of different ways in every culture, but you can, you can discern some threads about what men and women are like and what masculinity is like in, in all cultures. There, there's some similarities. I, I tell our church that the key is um, masculinity and femininity – at least on one level is about developing the virtues that are appropriate to our bodies. And so men typically have stronger bodies and that means it's important for us to cultivate certain virtues 
that are needed to live in those bodies well, like, for instance, self-control. It's, it's not good for men to be angry and to fly off the handle because their anger is typically more destructive uh, hmm. because of our strength. So but to be I, masculine. But I, but, I, but I can be angry all day as long as I don't do it after dark. That Paul tells me that I can I can flip my lid. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just kidding, Derek. Derek, Derek just be no, glad you don't have Matt in your church. He's a problem <laughs> parishioner. Anyway, just joking. Yeah. yeah, yeah okay. No, so cool. so I uh, know I like this. So the cultivating cultivating virtues that are fitting for our 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 bodies. Hmm. Um, hmm. It does, what you're not. So we're not hearing what you're not saying, and you're not saying self control isn't important for women. Correct. Uh, right. what, but what you're saying is. Because men can uh, have a greater capacity in their physical body yeah. to create uh, more hell, hell breaking loose, perhaps the virtue of self control is more fit is like more important for them, more central core to them. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. it's it's a similar it's a similar thing to when we talk about personality. You know, like Enneagram comes up on this podcast and that that kind of thing, right? So like, if I'm a certain type of personality, if you want to adopt that, you know, that's not scriptural sure. or whatever, but it's a, it's a way of describing people. There's certain virtues that are important for me to cultivate, especially important for me to cultivate, that might not be as important for others to cultivate. And what you're doing, Derek, is, is uh, sort of extending that self-awareness, not just to my personality, which, you know, is that inside of me or what, you know, obviously I think we're learning like it's all of our self is more embodied than we thought it was. Um, but you're extending that to our literal physical bodies and saying, because you have that body, what are the important virtues for you to cultivate, especially right. for you? You know, like, yeah. we all want the fruit of the Spirit, but especially that's for right. men, gentleness might be important, right? Those, yes. Those sorts of things, yeah. That's right. And I would say it's, it's why a man who seems to lack courage is seen as unmanly, right? It's mm. because we recognize men are, are meant to engage in conflict sometimes and there's part of what their strength is for is to have conflict to protect you know things that need to be protected and when a man lacks courage to do that we see that as somehow that's not what you're supposed to be doing as a man mm -hmm. right now women need courage as well that they have to engage sure. in all sorts of difficult things i'm not yeah. saying that they shouldn't be courageous yeah. but when a woman lacks courage we don't tend to say you're not very womanly right and so that's how I've wrestled with this. And I'm not saying yeah. I have all the answers here, but yeah. that started to help me think about what I'm trying to do in my sons and my daughter when I'm cultivating masculinity and femininity. What, mm. what do I see as a bigger threat to my sons growing up to be men? Um, yeah. You know, it's certain behaviors. Yeah. Uh, what do I identify as yeah. more problematic? So. And this, this crosses in with, you know, what we were talking about initially, which is toxic masculinity, right? Where there's, there's part of this is a recognition um, a recognition not just of our bodies, but also of the of our culture, right? That there are sh there are forces out there shaping you as a man into a certain type of you know person that we need to intentionally probably work against as Christians. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Derek, I I appreciate you uh, sort of speculating on this with us. Um, I, I appreciate you taking that risk. Um, well, it's it's a conversation that's important. I think. Yeah, I think it is. Um, you know, I'm a new. I'm so new into this stuff, and I um, was a history major, so like I have no background in biology. But there's tons of conversations about this binary you're naming, and is gender a binary? You know, is it this this thing that you're either male or female, or does gender exist in a, in a spectrum? And it seems to me 
that one of the missional tasks the church needs to do is engage that conversation, not out of fear, right? right. Not out of a reactionary fear, but out of sort of, uh, I think with the same posture, Derek, that you were uh, exhorting us to have as, mm-hmm. as guys leading women in the church, like a posture of openness and listening and of asking questions and discovering. Yes. You know, I always, I always think that, I mean, we're, we're preaching through Genesis right now as a church uh, at the table. And, uh, I'm just really reckoning with how sort of anti or reactionary the church historically has been against anything that challenges their established frames that comes from sort of an outside discipline, right? So, so science, science is the enemy of the faith, and we've got to, we've got to get the watch, get the watchtower up, you know, get the guards out and mm-hmm. protect, you know, protect it from, and I, yeah. I feel like we could do that for a generation or two, but eventually... Uh, eventually your kid's going to read a textbook and realize the sun is at the center of the solar system <laughs> and be right. like... Well, and, that, and actually realize, oh, that actually isn't... Like, the Bible doesn't actually say anything about what's at the center of a solar system. Right, or yeah, if it yeah. does, then like... So anyway, all I have yeah. to say is, I think this is an important <laughs> conversation and I think we need to be having it more, not less Yeah, as Christians. I agree, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I, so I appreciate I, you broaching it. Go ahead. Well, I think you're you're right to bring up the fact there's a big discussion right now about sex and gender and yeah. the biology of that. And you can listen to NPR, TED Radio Hour, I mean, all sorts of things. And they're having conversations about Radio. is gender or is sex binary or is it is there a spectrum? Yeah. And I think um, we need to engage in those conversations. But then as Christians, we, we realize we have a story that kind of frames um, the way we see the world, right? And so we believe there's a created nature and then there's been a distortion of fall. And so it shouldn't surprise us if there are things that are more ambiguous biologically than just male-female. I mean, that, that's part of, I mean, people are born with all sorts of um, biological problems, right? Yeah, um, right? Right. And so just because there are confusing situations that people are born into, that doesn't discount the binary um, way that God made us as male and female. But uh, that, that requires a lot of conversation and sensitivity. Yeah. yeah, I would I would frame that differently. Well, it's probably more than... it's probably We'd probably bite off more than we could chew on this podcast. <laughs> that might be the case. Probably. I may have just opened a huge can of worms. <laughs> well, I think I goaded we, you into it. Yeah. I'll take responsibility. Yeah. Uh, well, no, actually, it's, it's probably Ben's fault. And if you're listening mm. and you disagree with anything that's been said by Derek or me, you can email us at ben <laughs> at Gravity Leadership. Yes. Dot com. You actually, you do have the gift of emails, Ben. You're really good. The gift of emails. You're really good at typing. And talking. Yeah. You're a good yeah, talker, yeah, too. Yeah, I'm yeah. just saying. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a writer who learned how to talk. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I feel like. I feel like I first learned how to write. Yeah. Yeah. So, Derek, as I hear that, I'm, I'm, so I'm listening as somebody who maybe was born with, like, uh, like internal organs of a female, but external organs of a male, right? Or I'm born like there's people like that that are born, right? So let's say let's say I hear that, and I hear that my body, my biological makeup is due to the fall, right? Um, and I think okay, I'll, I'll go with that. But then I think so is me being a jerk face, and I feel like I can repent of being a jerk face, but I can't repent of having a uterus. Like, you know, you know what I'm saying? So, like, there, the, even though in, in the frame you're talking about, like, there are virtues I can cultivate with the work of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. and God's sanctifying work in my life to bring about a greater image of Christ. 
But I haven't heard a story yet of somebody who's born with ambiguous genitalia or they feel like they identify with one sex internally, another sex externally, or they're intersex. Or there's all these different categories of people where they sort of pray about that and like their uterus goes away. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or like somebody's uh, gender identity solidifies on one end of the binary or the other because they've, they went on a weekend retreat. Right? So like those are qualitatively different things and I just don't know how to think about it. I don't know how to deal with that. And I don't have to deal with it personally, mm-hmm. but as I like, I'm meeting people like this. Yeah. And I, like pastorally, in that frame, yeah. I'm not sure how to deal with that. Yeah. Well, I think it highlights, I mean, we probably need to wrap up the podcast here, but I think it highlights the need for this conversation to happen. Because the, the easy thing to do, we were talking before we hit record about like the polarized nature of our discourse nowadays, right? Um, the easy thing to do is is like there are camps, you know, out there with talking points. Boy Scouts camp, they got yeah, right. YMCA yeah, they, they got a camp. camp. I'm talking about uh, you know the polarized camps. ideological camps. Yeah, yeah. There's these there's camps out there, ideological camps. There's places where you can go to basically say, all right, here's here's my talking points, and I'm going to stay entrenched here uh, and lob you know grenades at the other at the other team. Yeah. Um, and so it is, it's a difficult thing, but I think a really necessary thing for us to be able to have these kinds of conversations, uh, especially with people who don't agree with us, who don't, who, you know, see with the people, world the same way, see the world the same way, where we can actually receive from one another, be challenged by one another's perspective, right? We can ha- kind of hang with each other, even if we feel offended or, you know, if maybe I, I don't realize the implications of what I'm saying for you and you have to tell me, you know, the, like... <laughs> Those are so important, those environments. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Derek, this has been great, man. Appreciate you giving us time, sharing your wisdom with us, your experience and story. I've learned a lot. Yeah, Um, me too. Me too. too. Thank you guys for having me on. Thanks for uh, all the conversations you've been leading. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's fun. It is. What else would we do with our Friday mornings? Yeah, I don't, you know. Answer emails? I do enough of that. Yeah. Pray without ceasing? Right. I do enough of that. I do enough of that. (laughs) Uh, hey man, uh, okay. That's been uh, the that's been the podcast. That's it. Yep, that's it. Done and done. Derek, thanks so much, man. Yeah. we'll have you back. Uh, we'll talk about some other stuff. All right, peace, everybody. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Gravity Leadership Podcast. If you found it helpful, please let us know by leaving a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you review podcasts. You can also email us at podcast at gravityleadership.com to ask a question or suggest a topic for a future episode. And join our online community for free at gravityleadership.com slash join. You'll get our latest content delivered straight to your inbox, as well as an email most Fridays with curated links to articles that we found interesting or helpful in our work as local pastors and practitioners of discipleship and mission. To join us, go to gravityleadership.com slash join. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. 
book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.